This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca coming to you live from NYCB Live, which is the Nassau Coliseum to those in the know. With the Rangers yes. will take on the Islanders tonight. And of course, usually our Monday guests will shift to the Tuesday for obvious reasons. And he is E.J. Raddick from NHL Now on the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I am very good. Very active and busy trade deadline Monday. But uh, we move on now to Tuesday. Yeah, it wasn't that there were like these amazing blockbusters, but I think some significant movement on the last day, which usually does not happen. Yeah, I mean, it was 32 trades involving 55 players. So, I mean, that's a lot of movement. And it was spaced out. It was almost as if, uh, you know, Sportsnet and TSN and us here at the NHL Network, we all got in kind of cahoots with one another and and spaced out the trades over the course of the day. Because you had big trade, you had a couple of interesting trades early and uh, all kinds of signings and things that were going on. So it was a a crazy day. And two of the biggest stories had nothing to do with trades and both involving the Rangers with Kreider getting his extension, which I think is a fair one, seven years, 6.5 per. And then the Shesterkin-Bushnevich news, which isn't good for Shesterkin, although I guess it could have been worse, EJ, right? When the airbags deploy, you start worrying. And I don't know, I'm sure you were on top of the press conference from J.D., just his tone. He said car accident, and I was bracing for the worst. Yeah, of course. I guess after everything was said and done, I guess it ended up being good news, but Shesterkin won't be evaluated again for another couple of weeks. So Rangers end up holding on to their goaltenders. So it'll be Georgiev and Hank for the foreseeable future, and Bushnevich is going to be a game-time decision tonight here on the island, ironically enough, with Kreider, who apparently has got a touch of the flu. But uh, I guess first things first, your thoughts on the accident and just... You know, where this leaves the Rangers, was there going to be a deal from what you hear if this accident did not happen? I I don't think so. Um, But again, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not privy to all the the things that go on behind the scenes with Jeff Gordon and uh, John Davidson and that group. But I don't think there was going to be. I think they've been very clear that unless they got something they wanted, they were going to move forward with uh, the three goaltenders and let it sort itself out in the offseason, which I think is probably the right thing to do. Yeah. And now with this, uh, you know, this accident, I mean, and really, thank goodness these guys weren't more seriously injured. Um, you know, uh, I go back to, I guess, the 80s. Remember the Flyers' young goaltender sure. ended up having a fatal car crash. Um, you know, that was many, many years ago now, Pelly Lindbergh. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, they were very, both very, seemingly very lucky. And, um, you know, the Rangers will move on. They do have Georgiev, and they do have Henrik Lundqvist still, and so those guys will carry the load. The Rangers' schedule gets a little bit tougher moving forward, so it'll be a little better indication of where they are as a group. But uh, I liked what they did um, with signing Kreider. The player came down on money, gave him a little bit of a deal there at 6.5 AAV, which is manageable. The team decided, okay, we'll give you that extra year you're looking for, it's seven years. And so there was some compromise, and it's a guy who's a Ranger who wanted to be a Ranger, who's a unique player, who fits with uh, some of the guys they already have now. Um, the team is getting better. There's younger players coming. They have young goaltenders. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. And then as an effort to alleviate some cap problems, they had to make a decision on Brady Shea. And they got a first-round draft pick in return, and they feel with – you know, with uh, you know the the young kid they got from Tampa, uh, Libor, that uh, you know that's a, a player that can play has been playing a little bit and will 
step in on the left side, and uh, they've got kids like a DeAndre Miller and a Zach Jones and guys like that, Robertson, and their system that could be left shot D for them down the road. So I think in the end, I think they made some interesting but good moves. Yeah, I mean, they were in a situation where it's tough to give up Shea, uh, but I think he can yeah. hit his ceiling. I mean, he's a nice player, but if you can get a first-round pick in return, and the way it works, uh, they have a Toronto pick and their own pick does Carolina. The Rangers will get the worst of that, but who knows? Maybe both the Leafs and the Hurricanes will miss the playoffs, and, and both of those picks could end up in the lottery. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But still, yeah. to be able to get a return in a first-round pick, and now the $5.25 million that they save on the cap per year can get them a, a, a Strom contract, get them a Lemieux contract, get them a D'Angelo contract, be able to keep some of the players that they have. So I think that was a home run for them. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I would say this. Brady Shea, I think, is going to play in this league a long time, and he's a good player. And I think that, you know, sometimes when you have a guy uh, in your group, you're watching every little thing he does. There's good things, and sometimes you get a little bit more focused on some of the negatives. But I think he's a good player. He'll be, uh, he's like I said, I think he's going to be around for a while. He skates. He's big. Uh, you know, he can he can do a lot of things. He's got some, you know, things that he doesn't do as well. But I think this was simply a cap circumstance that they needed to create cap space. And this was an area that, you know, there was a team that was interested. They could get something significant back, and then they could, uh, you know, elevate, uh, you know, some other players within their group. So, uh, you know, for me, I thought they did very well yesterday. Because in the end, if you traded Kreider, you knew what you're getting. You're getting a first-round pick, a prospect of some sort, maybe a conditional pick. And, you know, the rental market wasn't overly high. And um, I think the Rangers are probably better off with this deal with Chris Kreider. And the other significant deal, I thought, came down also in the York, as has been rumored for a while, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot comes to the Islanders. And to me, EJ, this just seems like a perfect fit, right? They're able to ink him up to a contract. He slides in as their third center. And you take a look up the middle and how often have we talked about it, building teams up the middle in the NHL. So I think the Islanders have to be pretty happy with what they got. It's, it's a big return for, for Ottawa, for sure. But I think it's a deal that really fits what the Islanders are trying to do. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a number of times, Donnie. I think that... Um I think that the Islanders needed. They need because of the way they play and who they are. They need to add particular type players. They just can't go out and say, "Oh, here's a guy that you know. Here's a here's a uh, you know a player that could come in and just score goals." Because you have to be able to fit into what they're doing and and play in a Barry Trot system. And I think that JG Pajot is someone I've liked for a long time. Right shot centerman can move them all over your lineup. Can kill penalties. Can take faceoffs. Um, and can and and be in different situations in the game. So uh, you know, I think it's a nice pick. Up is the the price to get them a first and a second the conditional third. I mean, if they win the Stanley Cup, Lou is going to run up there on foot and give the <laughs> right, third round pick. Maybe give them a third and a fourth. You win the cup, but um, you know, so that's not really in the mix unless they win. But uh, the price was high. But you got to remember, the Islanders have had a lot of draft picks over the years. They had two first rounders a couple of years back when Lou first got there. They had I think it was uh, eleven and twelve or ten and eleven back to back, and they used both of those picks on uh, you know Noah Dobson and. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, so um, they could probably afford to part with one this year. They're hoping to be in the playoffs. They're hoping that pick ends up being in the, uh, you know, maybe mid-early to mid-20s, and, uh, you know, if that's the case, it'll, you know, that'll be a playoff team, and they're hoping to make a run, and it's a hard conference. I mean, this is the, all these teams got better, and uh, the Islanders are going to have to be all in just to get into the playoffs the way it's going right now, so I like J.G. Paj, 
manager. I think he's a fit there. And, uh, you know, the contract, again, is that he would have been a free agent. They have to pay maybe a little bit more, but I think it's in line with how helpful he could be in helping you win. And sticking in the Metropolitan Division, very active were the Pittsburgh Penguins. They get Patrick Marlowe. They get Connor Sheary back. They get Rodriguez. So how much stronger do you think the Penguins made themselves in that battle with Washington for the first place uh, position in the Metropolitan Well, I think they just kind of rejiggered the back end of their forward group, right? So I think what they'll be able to do now is slide McCann back into the middle as the third center, I guess, behind Crosby and Malkin, and then they'll have a little bit more juice on the wings. They'll have uh, versatility with, uh, you know, Sheary they know very well. Marlowe is, you know, we know Patrick Marlowe. He's been around a long time, and, you know, he's somebody that, uh, you know, the players can rally around a little bit. That could be, you know, sometimes a little bit of an edge in the postseason could make a difference, and, you know, he's still got a little bit of jump and bite in his game, so he could be a, you know, guy who plays in the back part of your lineup, and if you need him in certain situations, maybe you can slide him up uh, on a short-term basis, and you know, uh, so I, I think Jimmy was doing as what he could. I, I think he would have liked to add another, like, depth defenseman if he could have, but, uh, you know, all these teams, they are limited by the cap, and they're limited by what they want to give up and what's out there, so, uh, you know, they get the John Marino kid back at some point, he's been a good player for them, so I like what Pittsburgh did. I mean, all these teams kind of fortified areas as best they could, and uh, like I said, the Eastern Conference is just going to be a bear, and particularly that Metropolitan Division playoffs is going to be a struggle. And that just shows you how active the Metropolitan was, because Carolina picks up Trocek, and I think that's a good pickup for them. And I guess more of a salary dump for Florida. And uh, what Philadelphia did, uh, adding Thompson and Grant. Yeah, you know, and Carolina thing in Florida is really interesting because talking to some people in Florida, it seems like they've just really soured on Vinny Trocek. And, you know, like we talked about Brady Shea, when you watch a guy every night, sometimes you focus on the negatives and as, and less on the positives. And I think, you know, Vinny's been dinged up a little bit. Ever since he had the ankle injuries come back, he hasn't been quite the same player. Now, whether that's just part of having that kind of injury and, you know, a slight difference that could end up you know, in this league, it, it doesn't take much to be off. You know, on production-wise, uh, it's a, it's the toughest league in the world, and it, it, you have to be able to, to to do it every night. So, you know, they soured on him a little bit. Uh, the year that he had the really good year, where they got him the contract, uh, he was apparently producing a lot on the power play in that particular year. He's had less power play time this year. Um, from what I understand within the group, they feel he's kind of sulked a little bit about that. And uh, you know, like I said, management just, uh, you know, they were ready to move on. He had two more years. In the meantime, Carolina is looking for a right shot centerman. They give a package of players and prospects that, you know, no real difference makers there, but maybe give the Florida Panthers a little bit more depth. And, you know, we're going to find out from this, Donnie, is it is it the player? Trocheck, or is it the organization, the Florida Panthers? Because yeah. as I've said to you many times, I think it's a culture issue there that they've got to improve. I think they made some steps forward, but uh, it is not something you change overnight. And if Trocheck goes to Carolina and just plays really well there, I don't think that's going to be a really good reflection on the Florida Panthers. So we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, Donnie Waddell wasn't joking. He went out and got Shea, he got Trocheck, he got uh, Vatnin, and, uh, you know, they're trying to kind of gear up and trying to replace guys who've been out hurt because Pesci and Hamilton being off their back line now to go out and get uh, Shea and get Vatten. And Vatten's unrestricted at the end of the year. So is Joel Edmonton as part of their group. So, I mean, you know, as guys come out, they'll have guys if they want to keep and they'll have to figure out in the summer, you know, what they want to do. I just wonder about their goaltending because their philosophy there, Donnie, is that they don't they just need average goaltending if they have a really good defense, which I can understand that. But at some point in time, 
you do need those saves at big moments. And they got away with it last year, and the two guys they had, Morazic and McElhaney, were good, and they got to the Eastern Conference Final. Will that formula work for them this year? First, they've got to make the playoffs. Right. If it doesn't, they might be in for some second-guessing there because, uh, you know, maybe they should have maybe tried to get in on Robin Leonard. But so you we'll don't, see you how it think, plays out. You don't think David Ayers is the answer there long-term in Carolina? Love David Ayers. <laughs> love his game. But, you know, he's a, he, is a, he is like a one-night-only guy. You bring him in one night only, and then he's on to the next 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 Zamboni ride. So uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. No, that was a, that was a really great cool story. story for sure. great, great story. story. And a wonderful guy. And we think about it. He went through a kidney transplant. His mom was the uh, donor, and uh, you know he's gone through a lot in his life. And he seems to have the right approach. And uh, it's just a joyful night. And, and how about the post game, Rod Brindamore? Boy, he is real. He is authentic. He just says the right things, and I think it relate. The guys really respond to him, and. Uh, just a fun night for everybody except the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, they mustered, what, 10 shots on goal through, what, like 30 minutes of play. So yeah. credit to the Hurricanes for at least yes. protecting him. And he becomes the oldest goaltender to win his National Hockey League debut at the age of 42. Just a wonderful yeah. story. Got a lot yep. of play around uh, the nation, which is really yep. good uh, for hockey. Um, just, uh, I guess, we're really up against it with you, but I uh, wanted to hit a few more here. Okay. Uh, Kovalchuk to the Caps. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He played really well in Montreal, but he was in put in a lot of situations there, given a lot of opportunity. I don't think those situations will be the same in Washington. Uh, there's a lot of Russian players there. He's got a relationship with Ovechkin. Um, obviously, Kuznetsov there as well. Um, you know, it's just another... Uh, just another piece that you have within your group. I think he's, he's going to have to have the right attitude because he is not going to have those same kind of ice time opportunities he had in uh, Montreal. But if he does have the right approach and knowing that if he's a good soldier and he has a chance to be on a good team that could win a Stanley Cup, I think he could be a helpful player. If he's uh, unhappy with his circumstance there and isn't bought into what they're trying to do, then he'll probably find himself out of the lineup and unhappy like he was in L.A. So we'll just see how it plays out. But he certainly helped himself with his play in Montreal and so much so that the, the Washington Capitals took a flyer on him. You know, most of the deals were coming from the Metropolitan Division and from the Eastern Conference. Not a lot happening out West, but I thought the one team that did a pretty decent job, I like the chance that Edmonton's taking on Mike Green, and I think if Tennessee with his speed will be a perfect fit there with the Oilers. Well, I mean, uh, I think that what Kenny Holland did was add a couple more NHL-type players to a group that has needed those type of depth players for a long time now. Um, we know the top of their lineup is really, really strong with two of the top players in hockey right now in Dreisaitl and McDavid. Um, they had a Mike Green that Kenny Holland, you know, Kenny Holland knows some of these guys he's picked up from Detroit over the last, you know, a couple of months since he's been in this job, and he knows Mike Green. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. He's a depth player, can help you on the power play, can move the puck a little bit. Um, you know, and, and so that's a good fit for the Oilers right now where they're at with their roster. And, you know, uh, Athosneo is um – his day, I mean, flat-out speed. It's been a tough year for him. Yeah. He's fallen off dramatic, dramatically from where he was last year production-wise. But Kenny Holland saw what he did last year and knows him very well, and it's a breath of fresh air for him. I mean, like anyone, John, when you're in a bad situation for a couple of years, and, like, let's face it, Detroit's in a rebuild. It's a bad situation right now. As much as it was a great situation for 25 years, 
they're going through a long rebuild right now, and it's a tough spot. And I think for someone like that to get a fresh opportunity, I think it's a, it's something that he should want to really take a hold of and be thrilled. And we'll see if he makes the most of it. Um, and lastly, before we let you go, I was really disappointed that Thornton didn't leave San Jose. I would have loved to yeah. see him join Boston. I would have loved to see him join Dallas. Another chance of winning a championship. I guess if he wants to play another year, he can sign on free agent-wise with a team. But how close and why not, if you're the Sharks, could you not part ways with Joe? That's a great question because he talked about it. He's talked about it today, and he said he was really disappointed and he was willing to move, and um, it just didn't happen. So, you know, all I could say is I guess Doug Wilson just couldn't get anything because, like, I think as a, as a professional courtesy to Joe at this point, if he wants to move, move him. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the Devils, uh, I think, uh, you know, with, with uh, Wayne Simmons asked to be moved, and so the Devils accommodated. And even though there weren't a lot of opportunities, he ended up going to Buffalo. So he got right. what he was hoping for. Joe Thornton has been the face of that franchise for more than a decade. You know, if he's willing to move, I think you have to try to find a place for him to go. But that said, we do not know what teams were even interested. So, you know, that makes it a little bit hard to be absolutely certain of, of what could or could have happened. It reminds me a little bit of when Marty Berdur in his final year of the Devils was, was kind of hoping to be traded. And Lou didn't pull the trigger on a deal. And I think Marty was irritated by that. And um, I think Joe Thornton, listening to his comments today, feels a little bit, you know, a little bit the same way. You know, one other yeah. thing, Don, I wanted I wanted to get in here because you know before I before I go, there's so many things to talk about. Was that Parisi uh, news yesterday with Parisi and Andrew Ladd and the Islanders in the Wild? That was kind of a crazy story that was interesting to watch unfold over the course of the day. Yeah, I thought for sure it was going to happen. Now, that would have been taken on, a, a, what, five more years left of Parisi's contract? Was that yeah. ended, ended up yeah. being the stumbling point? Because well, I guess Garen said it was complicated. Yeah, well, it really would be complicated because Zach's got five more years at $18 million in real dollars. He's got, uh, I believe, you know, his cap hit uh, is somewhere around seven and a half, but, like, the real dollars remaining over five years are only $18 million. The last three years of his deal, I think, are $2 million, then one, and one. So that's only $4 million over the last three years, the concern with acquiring a Parisi, other than the fact that you have to take on the cap hit, that uh, you know he's an older player, is that if he would retire at any point, you know, uh, then you're looking at a the concern there is that uh, you know maybe you get some kind of cap recapture penalties against your team, and you know probably Minnesota would have to have some of those as well. So I don't, uh, you know, that was really complicated. I think if I was Minnesota, though, if the key thing was taking Andrew Ladd's contract back in return, I really would have been eager to do it because you can take Andrew Ladd and do what the honors have done, put him in the minors. You right. have to pay him, obviously. He's owed 12 more million. Even if you buy him out, nine of the 12 million are signing bonus, so you can't buy out signing bonus. So, you know, it would have been still a matter of money, but you're saving some money. And by putting Ladd in the minors, which you can do with his deal, as opposed to Parisi's, you can open up a spot on your team to kind of change over your roster, which I think Minnesota really needs to do at some point. So um, I'm sure it was very complicated. I'm sure there were other pieces to it. And I'll tell you one other thing, Don. I think when the news got out about that, the deal was already dead. Because this has been in the works for a while, apparently, going back to the summer. 
And I know that you know the way Lou Lamarillo operates yes. is that like he keeps people to secrecy. And I don't think anybody would have felt comfortable reporting on this deal if it was still in progress, so to speak. And so I think that deal was already dead. I think people reported on it because they had the information and it was interesting and it was newsy on a, on a big day. But I think by time it had gotten to us in the media, I think this that it probably was already had had gone away at that point. So we'll see if it can be revived in the summer, but uh, it was an interesting thing to talk about for sure. And the winner in this ends up being Andrew Ladd because now that he wasn't dealt, he's got called up and he'll get a chance to play with Pajot and Bailey tonight against the Rangers. So. There you go. So we'll <laughs> see if he can do, if he can do anything. And uh, you know, Andrew's been a good soldier and a good pro when he's yeah. had some injury issues. And you know, the contract that he received when he came to the Islanders was, I think. Uh, it was not a good contract at the time, and uh, it doesn't make Andrew Ladd a bad player or a bad person. It just means that he, you know, listen, we all would have signed that contract if we had the opportunity, and, uh, you know, it just hasn't worked out as well. But, you know, we'll see if he can be a contributor here, uh, you know, down the stretch for an Islanders team that, you know, needs everybody pulling in the right direction. All right, I know you got to fly. Thanks so much for this. We'll talk to you again on Monday. You got it, Donnie. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick joins us every Monday. We shifted him to Tuesday because of the trade deadline. So we were trying to put this together between uh, some phone issues that he had and me trying to get over here to the Coliseum to do the Michael K show. We weren't really sure we were going to be able to get the podcast up, so I didn't promote it on Twitter. But we'll be sending it out there, and uh, we'll have uh, more, more of your tweets when we have uh, Leah Hextall on tomorrow. The hope is to get her on, although we're having some issues scheduling-wise. Uh, with her tomorrow, but we're hoping to get something done. But we'll get to uh, your tweets and all that. But we wanted to be able to at least get EJ's expert uh, opinion on some of the deals that went down uh, yesterday. Now we get to the games. Now we know what the rosters are, and the games become important. And maybe no bigger game tonight than here at the Coliseum between the Islanders and the Rangers. Six points separate these two teams. Islanders have the first wild card. The Rangers on the outside looking in. They got a leapfrog over Carolina, who, ironically, they just made better by making... Uh, the Brady Shea deal, and then a Columbus team that won last night in overtime against the Ottawa Senators, but they continue to go with injuries as Elvis gets hurt in the game. Now, Corpusalo is coming back, so it's not that big of a deal, but the problem with Columbus is they've played already 60 64 games, so they do have that final playoff spot, but everybody, including the Rangers, have at least two, three games in hand on them, and with all the injuries that the Blue Jackets have right now, it's going to be a very daunting task for them to be able to hold on to that playoff spot, so you got that game tonight. Uh, other important games for Vancouver, they're out here east, they'll be taking on the Montreal Canadiens at 7 o'clock, Flames and Bruins, that should be a good one, Bruins add Richie from Anaheim, so they try to add a little bit of toughness uh, to their group, uh, maybe Maple Leafs trying to hold on there in Tampa to take on the Lightning, who did see their 11-game losing streak go by the boards over the weekend against the Vegas Golden Knights. Sharks and the Flyers, that should be a good one as San Jose continues their eastern swing, and Philadelphia has just been pretty much unbeatable at home this year. Uh, Capitals home for the Jets. The Jets are kind of falling apart, and this is a real tough spot for them as Kovalchuk will be in the lineup for Washington. Stars and the Hurricanes, tough test for the Hurricanes. They're on the outside looking in. They're just a, 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 po- a couple of points out of a playoff spot with games in hand, and we'll see 
if the acquisition of Brady Shea can help against the Dallas team that is really looking good. Blues looking good as well against the Blackhawk team that's desperate. Uh, Predators got to get two points against the Sens. They're trying to get things going. Blue Jackets, as I mentioned, will be in Minnesota to take on the Wild. Coyotes playing host to the Panthers, who are in free fall, and the Oilers and the Ducks from Anaheim as the Oilers trying to see if they can't steal that division out in the Pacific. All right, so tomorrow we're going to be back with you again. If nothing else, if we can't connect with Leah, I will be on and we'll take your tweets. So if we didn't get to him today, obviously we didn't, so we do apologize for that, but we're kind of up against it. It's 2.30 right now, Eastern Time, and I've got the show coming up on the Michael K. Uh, vehicle coming up at 3, so didn't get a chance to tweet out everything, but I wanted to get EJ on, so at least you get some uh, expert opinion from him. So we'll be back with you again tomorrow. If you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is at Donald LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This was the Tuesday edition of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.